tonight to Numbers chapter 28. As Lord willing, tonight we're going to cover a, a couple of chapters here regarding the offerings that God is requiring uh, from the nation of Israel congregationally. You know, it's been a blessing just going through the Bible. If you study the Bible, you'll know the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. It covers a little over 2,000 years. And then you have the book of Exodus, uh, when the children of Israel are redeemed from Egypt. And if you count the time that they're in Egypt, maybe a little over 400 years. And then you've got the book of Leviticus, some say uh, just a matter of months. And then we've got the book of Numbers. And we're continuing our journey through the Bible uh, the book of Numbers is probably somewhere around 38 years. And if you remember the first study that we did, we talked about the fact that the book of Numbers is in one sense the book of wanderings, in that the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 38 years. You know, God said, I want to bring you out of Egypt, and I want to take you to the promised land. And uh, what ended up happening was an 11-day journey turned into 38 years of wandering in the wilderness. And the picture for us today in looking at that is that what God wants to do in our life is just a beautiful, amazing, wonderful thing that he wants to do in our life. He wants to bring us into the promised land. You know, he wants to bring us to the land that's flowing with milk and honey. And he wants to give you everything you need and, and even everything you want because he's going to place his desires in your heart. And he's going to meet those desires. And it's just a a wonderful, wonderful life that God has for Christians. It's not necessarily an easy life. I mean, you're going to go through difficulties and, you know, you're going to go through pain and there's going to be some suffering and some hard times. But even in the midst of all those things that you go through, when you really live your life for the Lord, when you're really in tune with God and you're walking under the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, even in those things, you guys, there's joy and no one's going to be able to really, you know, in one sense, wipe the smile off your faith, face, man, because you're going to know that God has a purpose even in this pain. And that right there, it just kind of brings out the joy in your life. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, you know, no one will be able to take that away from you. But uh, unfortunately, a lot of times what happens, and even in, within the Christian circles, most of the time I think what happens is that we don't uh, really uh, appropriate the power of God in our life. And, and we do wander around in the wilderness. And we do walk around defeated and discouraged and bummed out and depressed. And, you know, there's no milk and there's no honey. And you don't really get the things that you need and the things that you want. And there's a lot of, uh, in one sense, defeated, discouraged disciples of the Lord. And all I'm trying to say, and I think in one sense all the book of Numbers is trying to say, is that you don't have to live that way, that we can have that victorious Christian life. We don't have to wander around in the wilderness. We can just kind of go streamline to that place where God will incredibly and just totally, uh, magnificently, wonderfully bless your life, you know. And it's not that we arrive necessarily on this side of time. It's just that God shows us the things to do and he gives us the power to do them. And that's what the book of Numbers, I, I believe, wants to communicate to us is don't be like them. Don't be like these people over here who had all the power and all the promises. They had God on their side. And yet because they doubted and disobeyed, they did not live in that land. And so I really want to encourage you guys today, man, to know that this is real. 
that God can really bless your life, that God can really make you like Jesus, that God can really give you his strength as a husband, as a wife, as a single person here to live a life that would bring him glory and honor, you know. I'll share with you guys this right here, and you're probably going to laugh at me, you know, but I just got to share, I, I don't know why I was thinking, you know what, I'll kind of give them a little example. Yesterday, we had such a great day, we went over to the Boys and Girls Club, and, uh, and then what we, we did, we, we fed the, the, the poor, the homeless over there, and it was kind of cool afterwards, we hung out for a while, and I was able to play pool with these little kids, and they beat me, and it was really embarrassing, but... Anyways, we were fellowshipping there. We were having such a great time with them, trying to connect with them, share with different people. But afterwards, we came back. There was a group, maybe about eight of us or so. We came back, and I was running late because we had to be somewhere at 6.30. And so I came to the doors, and I see my wife, and I, you know, the kids are here on Wednesdays. And so I was like, okay, we've got to go. You know, kind of chop, chop, let's go, you know. And, uh, and what ends up happening is that nobody's ready. I'm like, what's up? You know, we've we got to go. We've got to be somewhere at 630, you know. But right away, the Holy Spirit caught me. And he said, you know what? Walk in the Spirit, man. You know, Aaron is supposed to be setting up the room, and he's over there playing basketball, but that's okay, you know. And this is going on. That's okay. And you just keep loving, and you just keep having that patience. And you know what? We, we came through this. We took care of business. We were continuing to walk in the Spirit where at other times maybe something little like that would have pushed a button or maybe, you know, gotten someone angry, and it didn't happen. And so it was so cool, man. We, we left, and we were headed out, and, you know, we decided not to go down Lower Azusa because the traffic was awful. And so we went and left on Lower Azusa. We turned down Arden, and you'll never guess what happened, man. There was a train. <laughs> And it was sitting on the tracks. And let me tell you something, man. It wasn't just sitting there. It was just camped out for the night. I'm serious, you know. And so we're there. And you know what I said? I said, you know what, sweetheart? I'll bet you the Lord just wants us to talk. And we started fellowshipping. And we were waiting. And rather than, you know, letting it get to you, it was so cool. The Holy Spirit gave us the wisdom and and probably even the power to say, no, let's love each other. Let's talk. Let's fellowship. And let's wait. And so we did. And we waited and, and we waited and we waited until finally I said, okay, all right, let's, let's go a different route. And so we went down Lower Azusa. We came and we went down Santa Anita. We turned on Tyler and you'll never guess what happened. <laughs> the train was over there too. <laughs> and I said, oh, man, that's right. And so we came back. We went down Santa Anita. We arrived at our destination probably about a half hour late. But you want to know something? It was totally okay because the Holy Spirit gave us the wisdom, gave us the strength, gave us the power. Those things that defeat us in life, that bring sin into our life or discourage us or for some reason push buttons and cause arguments or whatever it is in your life, they don't have to be there, you guys. God can give us the strength by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm praying we'll have in this church And that's what I'm praying. We're almost done with the book of Numbers, man, that when we finish this, that we would no longer um, we would no longer wander in the wilderness anymore. But God, give me that victorious Christian life. See, and that's what God wants to do in our life and through our life. And believe it or not, as we go through our study today, we're going to see the offerings that God keeps regularly reminding us to give 
in order to have that right relationship with him. Because look what we read here in verse 1. It says, Numbers 28, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say to them, My offering, my food for my offerings made by fire as a sweet aroma to me, you shall be careful to offer to me at their appointed time. Now, as you go through Numbers 28 and 29, we're going to see that it's all about the required offerings for God. They were offerings that God would command the children of Israel to give as a nation. It was something that was to be given congregationally. And we're going to see as we go through the study tonight that these offerings were to be brought daily, two times a day. They were to be brought weekly on the Sabbath day. They were to be brought monthly on the first day of the month. And then yearly at the different feasts of Israel, God called for and commanded certain offerings from the congregation. Now, these were to be offerings of sanctification. They were to be offerings of rededication. They were offerings for fellowship. They were offerings for forgiveness. They were offerings for the Sabbath. They were offerings for their service. These were offerings for God's pleasure. And we're going to see they speak to us in so many ways. Notice again what we read in verse 2. God says, my offering, my food, my offerings made by fire as a sweet aroma to me. You shall be careful to offer to me at their appointed time. Not a day would go by without an offering. For not a day would go by without some sin that needed to be covered in their life. Not a day would go by and many days were set aside sanctified for these special offerings and all those offerings were kind of like my wedding ring reminding yourself telling others that you belong to someone in this case the nation of israel belonged to god the only god and the holy god warren Worsby said this all time belongs to god but it's good for us to set aside special times to remind us of what he has done for us Now, this is kind of a tough chapter to go through, but I think when we kind of bring the New Testament light together, we're going to see the application that we have now as Christians, no longer in the Old Covenant. But imagine, if you would, just for a second, how tedious it would be to live in the Old Testament sacrificial system. Every time you sinned, you had to offer a sacrifice. Now, how many of you here would be living at the tabernacle, just out of curiosity, man? Wouldn't that be tough? And not only do you go to the tabernacle, I'm talking, we're talking kill an animal. We're talking draining the blood. We're talking cutting up a certain way and having this burnt and that given and all these different things. And when you look at this, for the nation of Israel congregationally, think about it. Every day, in the morning and the evening, the sacrifices were made. Every week on the Sabbath, the sacrifice was offered. Every month on the first day of the month, Every year and all the different feasts, all these things were offered. I mean, in one sense, it was kind of hard being a Christian back then. It was kind of hard, you know, because it was a religious thing. All these shadows were pointing to who? They were pointing to Jesus, huh? And now we don't have to offer. We're going to see there's over a thousand animals that are offered just in this congregational aspect. Now we don't have to do that. Now just one sacrifice was made for you and me. 
to make us right. To make us right with God forever and ever. You know, sometimes you need to look back and you need to see all the things that they need to do in order to appreciate what he's done for us, you guys. That one sacrifice, when Jesus was there on the cross, and his blood that was shed for all of our sins, past, present, and future, that one sacrifice makes it all right. It's just a wonderful thing. That's why I'm reminded in the book of Matthew when Jesus was watching all the religious leaders and all the things that they were requiring of the people, I'm reminded of what Jesus said. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me from gentle and lowly and meek, and you will find rest for your soul. You know, in one sense, we as Christians, we have this aspect, and I've learned this over time, you know. It's just a wonderful thing to know that in Christ, positionally, that we are completely clean and forgiven. And I just pray that that would really sink into our hearts. There's that rest. Jesus did everything. Now what he wants is for us to take this yoke that he gives to us. It's not that hard. It's a little yoke, but it's it's a something that he wants us to do. And by the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and to live the life, not just positionally now, but now practically. And that's what Jesus has done. I'm so grateful to know that we don't have to offer all these offerings anymore because Jesus did it all. And so you're here today and you're sitting here thinking, okay, cool, then I'm out of here. Then why am I here? I don't have to do anything. No, you got to keep coming or we're going to, you know, get mad at you. No, I'm just joking. That's not why you come. You come on Tuesday nights and you get taught the word of God in a wonderful way. And Wednesday nights, the fellowship and the, and the teaching and Thursday nights and Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. And you're being fed the word of God. You're coming. You're sitting at God's feet. He's, he's teaching you his word and he's making you a Christian. You're investing these times and then God is going to reward you greatly for that. You know, now we don't have to offer for our sins, but now there are still offerings, though, that we as Christians have to give. It's still good. I want to encourage you to set aside special times, to set aside this day that you give to the Lord. Perhaps it's every day, weekly, monthly, annually, days that we celebrate to remind us of what he has done for us and to invest in spiritual things. Here we see the offerings that the children of Israel had to give. First of all, daily. Look at verse 3. It says, And you shall say to them, This is the offering made by fire, which you shall offer to the Lord. Two male lambs in their first year without blemish, day by day, as a regular burnt offering. The one lamb you shall offer in the morning, the other lamb you shall offer in the evening, and one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering mixed with one-fourth of a hin of pressed oil. It is a regular burnt offering which was ordained at Mount Sinai for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. And its drink offering shall be one-fourth of a hin for each lamb. In a holy place you shall pour out the drink to the Lord as an offering, The other lamb you shall offer in the evening as the morning grain offering and its drink offering. You shall offer it as an offering made by fire, a sweet 
aroma to the Lord. And so we're going to see the, the different, the day, the week, the month, the year, how God would require the offerings from the congregation of the children of Israel in order to keep them in right standing with him. And if you could, just imagine that daily, day by day, two lambs, one in the morning, one in the evening, were killed. And the burnt offering means that they took the lamb and they didn't just kill the lamb, they totally burnt the lamb, totally consumed it. It was a burnt offering. They also had on this day the grain offering and then the drink offering. Now, if you remember, if you guys were here, Leviticus chapter 1 through 6, we talked about the different offerings. And it's important to know what they mean. The burnt offering means surrender. I surrender to God. There's no more uh, skeletons in my closet. There's no more things I'm trying to hide or hold on to. I surrender completely to God. And it's kind of cool. They had the burnt offering every morning and every evening. It's pretty cool, huh? Every morning, man, you surrender and you rededicate your life to God. Totally, completely, everything to the Lord. You know, it's amazing how quickly in life, man, we can gather up these awful thoughts or awful deeds or awful words or, you know, misconceptions or, you know, sin can creep in uh, so rapidly. And that's why it's important every day to rededicate your life to the Lord. I surrender, Lord, whatever you have for the day. It's kind of cool. How many of you here wake up in the morning, you spend time with the Lord with your cup of coffee, and you're like, yeah, I'm ready to go, you know? I love that. I love that. But we need to add to that, I believe, the evening sacrifice, you know? That's where I struggle sometimes. For me, the mornings are beautiful. I can spend four hours in the morning with the Lord, it's just so wonderful. But then at evening, for some reason, when I go home, I want a quesadilla and I want to sit on the couch <laughs> and I don't want to do anything. And then I run out of gas and then the Lord reminds me, no, you got to finish well, man. Give me your nights too. Before you go to bed, open up your Bible and read the Psalms. Before you go to bed, you know, get together with the family, read the Bible, spend time on your knees, rededicate your life to me. It's kind of like in the morning you wake up and you just ask for direction. And in the evening, maybe you can reevaluate your day. How did I do today? And then you just give it to the Lord. You know, I encourage you to do that. Here we see the burnt offering, which is, speaks of surrender. We also see the grain offering that's mentioned here as well. Now, remember, the grain offering is something they would take and that they would grind up and they would kind of work it up and then they would then even bake this little cake, give it to God, that symbolizes service. And so every day I surrender, and every day I serve. Not just, you know, whatever it is, teaching on Thursdays, or, you know, every day we surrender, and every day we serve. You know, and that's the cool thing. I really believe that the job that you're at, the things that are going on in your daily life, man, believe you me, that's not secular. Nothing's secular for the Christian, you know. You don't have to work in a church to serve. Wherever you're at, God wants you to shine as a light. And many of you are. And in so many different ways, you're serving the Lord. 
And that's why every day it's important. I, looking at this is kind of cool, you know, with the symbolism here, the daily symbolism to surrender and the daily symbolism to serve. There's not only the burn offering and the grain offering, there's also the drink offering. And believe it or not, that was like wine or strong drink. They would take a, uh, a quart and they would pour it out. And what that was was to seal the previous offerings. And so with every offering, there was a drink offering. Surrender, serve, and then you seal the deal, man. You're like, Lord, this is not just uh, pretend. This is not just playtime. Lord, this is real. And as you would give the drink offering, it would kind of seal the deal. And I really want to encourage you guys to live your life daily for the Lord. You know, it's cool what God did yesterday. It really is. And it's cool what God did last Sunday. Uh, it's amazing what God did on Tuesday. And the things that he did on Wednesday, I can tell you, it's an amazing thing. But we need to live for God every day. Tomorrow is a new day. And you wake up and you give him the burn offering. You give him the grain offering. And you give him that drink offering. And you give every day to the Lord. That's why Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself once a week. No, he didn't say that, right? He said, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Every day, you guys. You know, it's very important. man. When you wake up in the morning, it might be good to put a cross right there just to kind of remind you. You know, when you're sleeping, it's probably not that big of a deal. But once you get out of bed, you can probably get into some trouble, right? <laughs> so make yourself a cross. Okay, every day I've got to what? I've got to deny myself. That's a hard thing to do. But that's the call for us as Christians. To deny ourselves every day and to take up our cross and to follow him. You know, the Christian life is a day-by-day -day thing. Jesus said in Luke 11, 3, give us day-by-day -day our, our daily bread. And you know what? He's going to feed you, you know, like that. We see that picture with the manna in the wilderness. He didn't give them enough for tomorrow. You know, not that you're going to lose your salvation if you don't read your Bible every day. But I'm telling you something, man. If you don't commit yourself and discipline yourself to reading the Bible every day and, and spending that time with the Lord every day, I'm telling you right now, you will drift away. You can't live on yesterday's manna. Every day, God wants to give you manna. And that's why every day we need to spend time in the Word. You know, there's that daily sacrifice. God wants to speak to our hearts. Not only that, new days are kind of like new starts. Isn't it cool the way the Lord made us? I, I like it. I love sleep, I must confess. I just love it, man, when the, you know, the head hits the pillow at the end of the night and you're tired and you're like, thank you, Lord. This is so wonderful. You know, he's so good to us, you know. And then, you know, you wake up in the morning and it's like a new start, huh? Isn't it cool the way the Lord made us? And it's true. Every day there's a new start. Even in the book of Lamentations, it says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And every day I wake up in the morning and I say, Lord, I go outside and I say, thank you that the birds are singing. Thank you that the sun is shining. Thank you that the world is spinning. Thank you that my heart is beating. 
thank you for this air I'm breathing. Every day is a gift. And then I want to add to that, not only every day, but every moment, right? Every moment. We start the day off with rededication, and we end the day by seeking Him, and perhaps even reflecting on the day. You know, and it would be good for you guys, I think for us, to... You know, look at the day. What were the lessons learned? What were the mistakes that you made? What were the flaws, the faults, the fall in the flesh that might need God's forgiveness? I pray that we would stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord. And likewise, at evening, the Bible says in First Chronicles 23.30. See, morning and evening, that's where C.H. Spurgeon got it, the name for his book, right? Morning and evening. And it is true. And then not only that, we see in the Bible, not just twice a day, but three times a day. Psalm fifty-five, seventeen says, evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. And I want to encourage you guys, spend that time with the Lord in the morning and then at noontime and then at night. That's what Daniel did. The Bible says that Daniel would pray three times a day in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, something he did since he was a kid. Like one person said, you kind of start off the day, yes, for direction. You kind of spend the lunchtime with the Lord asking for strength to carry on. And then at the end of the day, you ask God for forgiveness. <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry, but I, I, I'm giving you, Lord, my heart. And so here we see them every day giving the offering there for the congregation. And then in verse 9 and 10, we see every week, it says, and on the Sabbath day, Two lambs in their first year without blemish and two tenths of an ephah, a fine flour as a grain offering, mixed with oil with its drink offering. This is the burnt offering for every Sabbath besides the regular burnt offering with its drink offering. And so there you see what was required each week. Not only the daily sacrifice that the priests would offer for the congregation, but then every Sabbath day. And just as a side note, I think it would be cool to have a Sabbath day, you guys. Now, we're no longer under the law. You don't, you know, aren't required, you know, to celebrate, uh, you know, Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. That would be the Jewish Shabbat. But just for your own spiritual benefit, as well as your physical benefit, I would encourage you to catch the wisdom that God provides and see if possibly, man, you can have a Sabbath day. Wouldn't that be cool? Where you take a whole day and you just rest in the Lord. But you're like, well, I can't do that, you know, because I've got, you know, this going on and that going on. And I've got commitments in 137,000 different directions. Exactly. Because you got too much going on. We have too much going on in our life. And we are suffering spiritually. I mean, God is wise. He took six days, even he took a day off, right? And he rested. And he, what he did was he made that a model for us. Six days you work. And for a lot of us here, five days you're at the work, at the work work. And then one day you're working at home because, you know, you got to be careful with all, all that. Take care of the honeydews or she's not going to be your honey for much longer, you know. But then you take one day and you rest in the Lord and you're reading the word and you're praying and maybe you're watching a, a biblical DVD and you just, 
You just saturate yourself in the Lord and, and you give to God. Basically, the, the premise here, what we're going to see, we give to God what belongs to God. We do. We give in the morning and evening. We don't go face a day without facing Him. Right? We don't go to bed without checking in before the Lord. We give to God what belongs to God. This day, it belongs to Him. And He'll bless your life. John Stott talked about how when he was a young Christian, he started doing this. And before you know it, man, it was not only a day, then, you know, eventually it was a whole week, and, and he would just go and just spend time with the Lord. You know, huh? That's a good idea, don't you? I think we do. Here we see on the Sabbath day, once a week, they would give this to God. Now, when we look at our study tonight, we're going to see that the Lord requires an offering every day, and that's the rotation of the earth. And he's going to require an offering every month, and that would be the orbit of the moon for the Jewish calendar. He's going to require an offering every year on the certain feast days. There's the orbit of the earth around the sun. But the week thing, the Shabbat, is not necessarily a physical, uh, astronomical thing. It's something that God established. It is God's order of creation and rest. And I would encourage you guys to really take part in that. Not just uh, twice a day, morning and evening. Then there's the once a week rest, giving to God what belongs to God. Then there's the monthly offerings. Look at verse 11. At the beginning of your months, you shall present a burnt offering to the Lord. Notice now, it's not just the lambs. It's two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs. Can you imagine that? In their first year without blemish, three-tenths of an ephah, that would be six quarts of fine flour as a grain offering, Mixed with oil for each bull, two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour, that's four quarts as a grain offering, mixed with oil for the one ram, and one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for each lamb. Each lamb, think about that. As a burnt offering, a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Their drink offering shall be half a hin of wine, for a bull, one-third of a hen for a ram, and one-fourth of a hen for a lamb. This is the burnt offering for each month throughout the months of the year. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering to the Lord shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. So imagine that, man. Every day, every week, every month, all these offerings that they had to give in order to maintain their status, in order to keep themselves right before the Lord. Now, and I was thinking about this, you know, because I know we're making the personal application, but this was for the congregation. And I was thinking, you know, about talking to the elders and saying, hey, we should do something like this, you guys, you know, every day, morning and evening, let's do something for the congregation, you know, and every week and every month. And that's kind of what it was, you know, just reminding yourself um, of what, you know, God wants, giving to God what belongs to God. And in that whole process, keeping themselves right before the Lord. You know, it's kind of like uh, as we turn the calendar, and you guys know now, huh, isn't it so true that, well, maybe it's because I'm getting old, 
Um, time's flying, huh? Is it flying for you or is it just me? Some of you younger people are saying, no, it's like normal. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, the summers lasted like two years. I remember, man. <laughs> and now they, they, they just fly by, the weeks fly by. You're like, man, it's already, you know, February. They fly by. And if you don't seize the moment and capture these months, man, reflect, learn, make a calendar, you know, look back on your months, things like that, then you know what? We're not going to really grow the way that we should. As we turn the calendar, let's turn from sin. It's good, huh? Every time you turn that calendar, man, reevaluate your life. How did you do in January? You know, oh, I wanted to do this. I wanted to read with my wife. I wanted to read this much in the Bible, whatever it is. I wanted to spend time in prayer. And this was kind of my, my goal that God gave me, you know, and, and you didn't. Okay, here's a new start. And I just love new starts. So one person said that the Christian life is simply a series of new beginnings. And in many ways it is. A new day, a new week, Lord, a new month. I want to give these, Lord, to you. You know, the Bible even says in Revelation 22, verse 2, that we're going to have months in heaven. It's kind of cool. Twelve months, the Bible says, in heaven. The Jews did it right in that they had the lunar month. And so the Lord says, hey, these are the things that I want you to offer. At Passover, it says in verse 16, on the 14th day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord. And on the 15th day of the month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread shall be eaten for seven days. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. I like that. Verse 19, and you shall present an offering made by fire as a burnt offering to the Lord. Two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs in their first year. Be sure they are without blemish. Their grain offering shall be of one of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah. You shall offer for a bull and two-tenths for a ram. You shall offer one-tenth of an ephah for each of the seven lambs. Also one goat is a sin offering to make atonement for you. You shall offer these besides the burnt offering of the morning, which is for a regular burnt offering. In this manner you shall offer the food of the offerings made by fire daily for seven days as a sweet aroma to the Lord. It shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering, and on the seventh day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. And so, like Warren Worsby said, you got the day, you got the week, you got the month, and you've got certain days that God says, hey, I want you to seek me. You know, and I would encourage you guys here, even though we hate to see you go away, take a, take a weekend and you get away, you and your spouse. And together you seek the Lord. Or, or maybe you're here and you're a single person and, and you take a day and you just go and, and you seek the Lord. You know, we have certain days. We have Christmas and Easter and uh, different days as well. But, you know, as the Lord lays things on your heart, you go and you seek Him. And it's a beautiful thing, man, when you really do that and you give it to the Lord. You know, here we see the Feast of Passover as well as Unleavened Bread, the first two uh, feasts in the Jewish calendar. Now, we're not going to go over really in depth the feasts because we studied them already in Leviticus chapter 23. But real briefly, we know that the Passover was that feast that set them free, brought them out of Egypt. When the angel of death saw the blood 
applied to their doorposts, then the angel of death would pass over, right? And therefore, their firstborn wouldn't die. But we know that in Egypt, all the firstborn male, animal, they died. That's what God used to set them free, right? And so they would celebrate the Passover each year. They would also celebrate it in conjunction with the second feast of unleavened bread. And I love that feast right there because they would search the house to make sure there was no leaven in the house. Leaven is a type of sin. It's a typology of sin. And I just love it. You know, the first thing we see in your life is redemption. God saved you. God died for you. You're a Christian now. The second thing we see in your life is sanctification. Now, clean house. Get rid of all the sin in your life. You know, even if the Jews saw a mouse scurrying along the room and going and hiding, they would literally, you know, break open the walls just in case that mouse had a little breadcrumb or something. They wanted no leaven whatsoever. And that's got to be our heart. Make sure you don't tolerate sin. Make sure you think, you know, say, well, it's okay. God forgives me. It's okay. It's no big deal. Ain't no thing but chicken wing. You can't have that attitude, right? I mean, you've got to really hate sin. And so there's the redemption. There's the sanctification. That's the Passover. That's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That was the celebration of the Jews. And God says, and here's another time you give me these offerings, and all this was to keep them right before the Lord. But one thing that's kind of interesting, in verse 22, it says also one goat as a sin offering to make atonement for you. And this is the thing that we see, you guys, in this. Along with all the symbolisms, when you get down to the core reality of it, all these sacrifices in the Old Testament were just an atonement. Literally in the Hebrew, it just means it was a cover. It was a cover-up. It didn't take away the sin. You know, right now, I don't know what happened to our yard. We're getting these mushrooms that are growing. And uh, some of you probably know the answer to that. I I don't. And, you know, what my my gardener's been doing is he's just been mowing them. He's just been cutting them. And for some mysterious reason, they keep coming back, you know. It's like weeds, you know. You cut weeds. They're just going to come back. And in these days, it was just a cover-up, you know. And and that right there, it it would just rear its ugly head again. And so then there's another sacrifice, and it would cover up. And there's another sacrifice, and it would cover up. And that's why in the Old Testament, they had to keep offering repeated sacrifices because it was just a kofar. It was just a cover-up. And I'm telling you guys right now, especially you girls, man, if you want to make up with God, you can't be a cover girl. I'm telling you, man. You can't. (laughs) You've got to ask the blood of Jesus to come in and to take it all out. Let him wash you of your sins, see? And that's what Jesus does. When he came and we come give our life to him, he goes in and he takes it all out and he washes us and he makes us as white as snow. See, we really need to make sure that we understand all these things. Basically, to me, when I read this, I'm like, okay, Lord, I know you were giving this to the children of Israel because they're going into the promised land. And this is how they were to live their life every day, every week, every month, and all the feasts. But, Lord, I don't have to do that. And so why am I reading this? And the Lord says, look at how tedious it was. 
Look at this. Doesn't that blow your mind? Look at what Jesus has done for you. Not only that, look at the way that God wants to remind us. God wants to keep us coming to him on a regular basis. Next in verse 26, we have the Feast of Weeks. This is also on the day of the first fruits. When you bring a new grain offering to the Lord at your Feast of Weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. You shall present a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord. Two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs in their first year, with their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for each bull, two-tenths for the one ram, one-tenth for each of the seven lambs, also one kid of the goats to make atonement for you. Be sure they are without blemish. You shall present them with their drink offerings besides the regular burnt offering with its grain offering. The Lord here mentions the feasts. Now it's the Feast of Weeks. It's also known as the Feast of Pentecost. On the 50th day after the Feast of first fruits, here we have this as an expression of gratitude for the harvest, which was the beginning of the wheat harvest. Now, if you were to look at the different feasts, you would see, first of all, there's the Feast of Passover. Then there's the Feast of uh, the one that we just mentioned right now, Unleavened Bread. That's redemption and then sanctification. After that, we have what's known as the Feast of first fruits, which isn't mentioned right here. And then we have the Feast of Weeks. Now, the Feast of first fruits is symbolic of resurrection, and the Feast of Weeks is symbolic of appropriation. Just in case you wanted to follow along, redemption, sanctification, resurrection, and appropriation. Now, what that means is that on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when Pentecost was fully fulfilled, the Holy Spirit came. And that's what this feast is all about right here, the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we were saved as Jesus offered himself, the Passover lamb, the sacrifice without leaven. He rose from the dead, and then he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us and to dwell within us. And those are the first four feasts, just in case you're wondering, for the children of Israel that have already been fulfilled in the Christian life. There's three more feasts, and we're waiting for those to be fulfilled. The first feast that will be fulfilled in the Christian calendar next is found in Numbers 29. It says, And in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work, for it is a day of blowing the trumpets. You shall offer a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord, one young bull, one ram, seven lambs in their first year without blemish. Their grain offering shall be fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, one-tenth for each of the seven lambs, also one kid of the goats, as a sin offering to make atonement for you. Besides the burnt offering with its grain offering for the new moon, the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and the drink offerings, according to their ordinance as a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Now we're going to see the first four feasts have been fulfilled. The last three haven't. The last three all take place within the month of Tishri. That's the seventh Jewish month. 
and it's all regarding prophecy of what's going to happen next. The next event, according to the Jewish feast, is the rapture of the church. They blow the trumpet, right? It says in 1 Corinthians 15.52. They're going to blow that trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise. We see the same thing over in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, verse 16. And then we'll see it again in the book of Revelation, chapter 4, verse 1. As they blow the trumpet, boom, we see the rapture takes place. Now, in the Jewish calendar, this is called Rosh Hashanah. This is their civil new year. Passover is a religious new year. This right here we see is their civil new year. And as they're there and as we're there, again, it's kind of interesting. In order to keep them in right standing, the sacrifices had to be made. The offerings had to be given. But next we see the Day of Atonement in verse 7. It says, On the tenth day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall, notice, afflict your souls. You shall not do any work. You shall present a burnt offering to the Lord as a sweet aroma, one young bull, one ram, seven lambs in their first year. Be sure they are without blemish. Remember, they're symbolic of Jesus who had no sin. Their grain offering shall be a fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the one ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, besides the sin offering for atonement, the regular burnt offering with its grain offering, and their drink offerings. Imagine that, man. The Day of Atonement now, this is known as Yom Kippur, where the high priest would go into the holiest of holies, something that was only allowed once a year, for the sins of the people. You remember in the tabernacle, they had the, the big you know, open area, the camp, and then they had the tabernacle proper. Uh, it was a total of 45 feet by 15 feet. You would go in, you would see the lampstand on this side, you would see the table of showbread on this side, and then you would see the altar of incense right there. And then there would be a veil, and beyond the veil was called the Holy of Holies, the holiest of all, the most holy place. And no one could go in there except for the high priest once a year on the day of Yom Kippur. And as he went in, he would offer the sacrifice for the sins of the whole nation, you see. And it's kind of interesting the way that it says right here. This is the only one that says you would afflict your souls. All the other feasts were feasts, you know, and it's kind of cool. I was listening to one study about this, and this guy was saying it's kind of cool. You know, being a Christian, man, it's fun. It's a feast. It's wonderful. It's joy. You know, there's so much there. I think a lot of times we, you know, don't have that in our heart. There's not a lot of joy sometimes, you know, but on the Day of Atonement, when it comes to dealing with the sin, really getting serious with God, there's that time of humbling. There's a time of weeping. There's a time of afflicting our souls. That means to mishandle, to humble, speaking of fasting and praying and searching our hearts. And there's that time that we need to have even within our own lives. Kind of like the tax collector who stood afar off and he wouldn't as much raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast. And he said, be merciful to me, O God, a sinner. I'll be honest with you, man. You know, I thank God that I've been a Christian 
for as long as I have. I'm thank God I haven't fallen away, but I, I do weep over my sins. I do sometimes look in the mirror and say, "Man, what is up with you?" You know, and I think we all need to have that. We all need to be able to see the way that God sees us. There's that day. There's that time of really humbling ourselves. That's what the Day of Atonement was. It was that day in which the high priest would go in and he would offer the sins for the people. We see next the Feast of Tabernacles in verse 12, and this will be the last one, but it's a long one because it gives all the different days, and we'll just kind of read through it right here. It says, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month you shall have a holy convocation, you shall do no customary work, and you shall keep a feast of the Lord. Notice it says seven days. You shall present a burnt offering, Remember, that's total surrender. An offering made by fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord. Thirteen young bulls, two rams and fourteen lambs in their first year. They shall be without blemish. Their grain offering shall be of fine flour mixed with oil. Three tenths of an ephah for each of the thirteen bulls. Two tenths for each of the two rams and one tenth for each of the fourteen lambs. Also, one kid of the goats is a sin offering Besides the regular burnt offering, it's grain offering and it's drink offering. Okay, day one. (laughs) Day two, on the second day, present 12 young bulls, two rams, 14 lambs in their first year without blemish, and their grain offering and drink offering for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs by their number, according to the ordinance. Also, one kid of the goats is a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and their drink offerings. God's very detailed, huh? On the third day, present 11 bulls, two rams, 14 lambs in their first year without blemish, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs by their number according to the ordinance. Also, one goat is a sin offering besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. And then on the fourth day, present ten bulls. Notice it's going down regarding the bulls. Two rams, fourteen lambs in their first year without blemish. And their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs by their number according to the ordinance. Now some of you here are getting tired just reading it, you know. Imagine doing it, you guys. Remember, (laughs) this is what God's trying to tell us. Verse 25, also one kid of the goats is a sin offering. Besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the fifth day, present nine bulls, two rams, fourteen lambs in their first year, without blemish, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs by their number, according to the ordinance. Also one goat as a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the sixth day, present eight bulls, two rams, fourteen lambs in their first year, without blemish, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs by their number, according to the ordinance. Also one goat as a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. Almost done. On the seventh day, present seven bulls, two rams, fourteen lambs in their first year, without blemish, and their grain offering and their drink offering for the bulls, for the rams and for the lambs by their number according to the ordinance. Also one goat is a sin offering besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. 
On the eighth day you shall have a sacred assembly. Now this was the last day of the feast in the book of John. Remember in chapter 7 it says on the last day, that great day of the feast. See, this is the last day right here. It says right here, on the eighth day you shall have a sacred assembly. You shall do no customary work. You shall present a burnt offering, an offering made by fire, as a sweet aroma to the Lord, one bull, one ram, seven lambs in their first year without blemish, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bull, for the number according to the ordinance. Also one goat as a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering and its drink offering. These you shall present to the Lord at the appointed feasts, Besides your vowed offerings and your freewill offerings as your burnt offerings and your grain offerings as your drink offerings and your peace offerings. So Moses told the children of Israel everything just as the Lord commanded Moses. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much that these are things that we don't have to do. Real quick, I know you guys think the study's over, but real quick, I want to give you some New Testament scriptures regarding some offerings that you can offer to the Lord. Obviously, most importantly, you can offer to God's substance, and that is, you know, finances. Um, you know, we receive an offering once a month on Sundays. I'm sorry, once a week on Sundays. Uh, the other day, Joey tried to do one in the midweek service, and we, that didn't happen. But once a week on Sundays, we receive an offering. But you can give offerings to the Lord uh, through your finances. And so I just want to let you know about that. As a matter of fact, in Malachi 3, verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? Yeah, you have robbed me, but you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. And so if they could give their offerings in that system back then, how much more so could we give our offerings now as Christians? Giving to God for the work of God, hopefully for the glory of God. Don't be a spiritual Grinch, man, because you want to know what's going to happen? If you don't give to God what belongs to God, you're going to have a big old hole in your own pocketbook. You give to God what belongs to God, and he will bless your socks off. Secondly, not only substance, but also in service. In service. Philippians 2.17 says, Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. You can give to God offerings, number one, in your substance, number two, in your service. That's your duty, the gifts that God's given to you. You serve the Lord, man. You give back those gifts that God is supernaturally giving to you. Not only service in duty, but service in death. Paul the Apostle said in 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I want to encourage you guys. Give to God of your substance. Give to God of your service, duty, even to the point of death. Okay? Very important. But at the same time, having New Testament light, I want to share with you these things too. Even greater than that, is a couple of things that Jesus talks about. Number one, love. Mark twelve thirty three. it says, And to love God with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole 
burnt offerings and sacrifices. You know, it's cool to give God of your substance and it's cool to give God of your service. But even more than that, God wants you to love him and to love others. And even in that love, there's a second thing, and that is obedience. Obedience. Then Samuel said in 1 Samuel 15, 22, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. As a matter of fact, obedience is proof that you love God. You know, don't say you just love God. And don't just say you love your wife and you love your husband and you love your kids and you love whoever. I love you, bro. No, it's got to be lived out, right? And that is an obedience. I love the verse in Ephesians 5, verse 2, and we'll close with this. In reading this chapter right here, and I know for some of you here, it's kind of a tough chapter, but for those of us going through the Bible, it's our challenge, you know? We want to make sure we give you the full counsel of God. But in reading that, uh, honestly, I do get tired. <laughs> and I was thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't read it to them. But you know what? We've got to read everything because uh, what if there's something there hidden that I'm trying to hide from you, you know? And, and so we just read it through, and the Lord speaks to our heart. Wow, Lord, look at all these things they had to do back then. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. For it says in Ephesians 5, verse 2, Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. We talked about that over and over again, the sweet-smelling aroma that all these sacrifices were all pointing ultimately to Jesus. If you want to study it further in depth, Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 10. I encourage you guys to read that even tonight as you offer to God the evening sacrifice. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for your word. And even in looking at all these things, Lord, we know that ultimately they point to Jesus, what you've done for us and making us right and even in keeping us right. Lord, I pray that we would give to God what belongs to God, that whatever it is you command us to give, Lord, that we would give, that we would live this life, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. Thank you so much, Lord. May your word now find a place in our heart, take root in our heart, Lord, that we would just draw closer to you and live this life for your glory. We just pray together tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.